0: I want to do something a little bit different. Well, it's not different, but I've, I've done it before, but we're going to do it today. Um, we are getting ready to kick off, as uh, Corey shared, our next emotionally healthy spirituality class uh, the first Wednesday of July. And one of the things that we do in EHS is uh, we challenge people to spend time in silence uh, throughout the week and to reflect on the goodness and the power of God. And so before we begin service today, before I begin to speak today, what I'd like for us to do is I'm going to set the timer here, and I'm going to set it for one minute. And I just want you to take the next minute, and I want you to remove all of the distractions, all of the thoughts of what you're going to have for lunch, all of the thoughts of anything that's moving around you, uh, whatever is distracting you for just the next 60 seconds, I want you to think and focus on the glory of God. Will you do that with me? All right. So three, two, one. Thank you for doing that with me this morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get distracted by so many things. And and I can find myself, uh, as I get prepared to, to bring the message of the Lord, I can find myself being pulled in 20 different directions. And uh, this morning, the topic that we are going to talk about uh, is... Uh, a very important topic for us to focus on. It's, uh, it's a subject that I love to talk about, but I believe also that it is a subject that we hear this phrase in the church of Lot, but I'm not exactly sure we always fully comprehend and understand uh, what we're talking about when we use this phrase, and that is the kingdom of God. And so we are moving through the gospel of Mark, and we're in chapter 4 today. We're going to look at verses 26 through 34. And as we look at 26 through 34 today, we are wrapping up this period of Jesus-sharing parables and we have, for the last week, talked about, last week we talked about the parable of the sower and the seed. And so today, uh, we're going to be looking at verse 26 through 34, and Jesus is going to share two different parables. He's going to talk, talk about the seed that's being scattered, but he's also going to be talking about the parable uh, of the mustard seed. And so I want to begin By reading this passage of scripture to you today And then what we're going to do for just The next few moments Is we're going to talk about The kingdom of God And what Jesus is actually Speaking to us through these Two parables today In accordance to the kingdom of God And so I want to begin Let's read verses 26 through 34 So starting with verse 26 It says the kingdom of God Is like this He said A man scattered seeds on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready... He sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than any any or all of the garden plants, and it produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to begin by talking to you about what the kingdom of God is. What is the kingdom of God? That's the question I want to ask today. And of course, much could be said here. As a matter of fact, I could probably preach a whole series on the kingdom of God, but I'm going to try to narrow it down into this one sermon today. And what I think needs to happen first is that as we talk about the kingdom of God, what I want to do is I want to share some key components needed for you and i to understand the kingdom of god all right so the first component that i think we need to have in order to understand what the kingdom of god is is that we must understand this god's kingdom exists where god where god's king jesus is known And trusted and followed. In other words, what I mean by this is that the kingdom of God exists anywhere where the people of God who trust in Jesus Christ, who are following his teaching, are following what he has given to us, are present. So, in other words, as we sit in here this morning, we are sitting in the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom, it's not a place or at least not initially a place, but it's a way of life initiated from the work of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. By the way, you guys like my t-shirt today? May the Holy Spirit be with you. It's pretty cool, isn't it? You guys are very, very quiet today. So, the first component needed in understanding the kingdom of God is the realization that God's kingdom exists where God's King Jesus is known, trusted, and followed. All right? The second component that we need to have in order to understand the kingdom of God is this that the work of the king that starts the kingdom. the work of the king the work of jesus that starts the kingdom must be understood as nothing less than the death and resurrection of jesus christ in other words it's it, it, that is just being a good person or a dedicated uh, to social justice those kind of things those could not set the kingdom in motion Only when Christ went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, and three days later walked out of the grave victorious, it was that. It wasn't that Jesus was a good teacher. It wasn't that he was a good moral man. It wasn't that he proclaimed social justice. It's the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and three days later walked out of that grave alive. It is the death and the resurrection that takes the seriousness, the problem of sin, and brings it to reality and it's what changes the character of the world at its core. That Without the death, without the resurrection, without the cross, there is no kingdom. Do you understand that? Cool? All right. The third component to understanding the kingdom of God is this. Through the enabling power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the spirit of the risen Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ practice the kingdom way of being in the world, displaying to all who care to see how God's will is done on earth As it is in heaven. In other words, what I'm saying is that the kingdom of God becomes evident when you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, live out our calling as followers, allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, and we do the work of the Lord. Amen? Now, there's a fourth and final component that we need to understand about the kingdom of God, and that is this. In this way, the kingdom people, those who proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, the new humanity, the new community, the new people of God, do not bring in the kingdom complete, but instead what we do is we work toward that moment when the king... Jesus Christ will return to complete what he's begun. So in other words, if we're going to understand the kingdom, we have to first understand very clearly, we have to understand that it exists wherever God is moving and the words of his son, the life of his son, the obedience of his son is taking place. So in other words, the kingdom exists wherever those who are being obedient to the Father and following the Son are doing what he has called us to do. Second, it exists. It exists, it's a part of the work that is done through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And third, it, it is creating through us serving Christ, through us living through Christ, through us doing what Christ is, uh, has called us to do, it is creating a way of being in the world that sees God god's will being done it's not about me it's not about you it's not about life for church it's not about the church of god it's not about any other list of things that we could put it's about god doing his work through his people and in that way we see a a new community we see a new humanity we see a new way of living that will be fully complete when Jesus Christ returns. That's the kingdom of God. Now the question that we have to ask as we read this passage of Scripture here is why in the world, as we understand that completely, why explain the kingdom of God in parables, okay? But why then would Jesus only clearly explains such an important message as the kingdom of God, as we see in Scripture here, to only a small group of people, the disciples, while employing or or putting out the mystery uh, of parables as a means of proclaiming this message to the rest of the hearers, to the world. In other words, why speak this in a parable? Why use a parable to talk about such an important topic? Well, first, I think we need to understand something a little bit historical about when Jesus was sharing this parable. Okay? Jesus' explanation to the disciples of his use of parables, if we go back to uh, an early part of, earlier part of chapter 4, if we go back to verse 10 through 12, we read this. It says, When he was alone those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he answered them. He said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those outside, everything comes in parables. Now, I want you to listen to this first, okay? So that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. That they may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. All right? Now, you listen to that. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't that sound a little weird? I mean, why wouldn't Jesus want his hearers to listen and understand and be converted? Why is he saying that there? Well, of course, let me, let me just clear something up. He wants, he wants them to hear, and he wants them to be converted, but there's two underlying ideas that are going on here, okay? First, as one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, puts it, Jesus' presentation of a new king and a new kingdom during this period of time, preaching and proclaiming this message, this was politically dangerous, This was politically dangerous. It was a politically dangerous message, one which had to be proclaimed very carefully, okay? Besides that, his Hebrew hearers, all those that around him that were hearers, had a totally, see see what Jesus was proclaiming here, those who were expecting the return of the Messiah, those who were looking for the return of the Messiah, they were looking for a totally different Messiah uh, than what Jesus was proclaiming here. You see, they were not looking for a Messiah that was coming from a small place like Galilee or or, or from a small town of Nazareth, okay? Um, What they were looking for is they were looking for a military Messiah who would break the back of the empire, both the Romans and the Herodians, and that would launch a new age for Israel. But, But they weren't looking for... Uh, a, a, a young Hebrew prophet, they were looking for a literal king. Second, the reception of the message of the kingdom of God depends, first, truly on trusting in the king. All right? Let see something Let me say something to all of us here today. You can proclaim to be a follower of Jesus all day long. We can stand and proclaim Jesus all day long, but if we don't live our lives according to his guidance, if we don't actually follow him, if our, lives do, if our lives do not represent or show our trust in him, are we really following him? If I say I love Jesus and I say I'm a follower of Jesus, but the things that I do don't represent him do i really follow him do i really trust him you see the reception of the message of the kingdom of god depends upon first truly trusting in the king a a trust uh, that involves Action. Okay. In other words, it's a trust that actually means we have to do something. It's like what Paul said in Romans chapter five, verse uh, chapter one, verse five, when he said, "Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience." And I want to. I want to. I wish I could underline that up there. But to to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Among all the Gentiles. In other words, we cannot just follow Jesus in word only. There has to be action. And so, as Jesus is sharing the parable, there's a a lot of risk here in him sharing this parable because uh, there are people, as we have seen up through up to this point, we have seen that there are those who are trying to take him out. There are those who are trying to destroy what he is proclaiming. And so what he wants to make sure, he, You remember the, remember the one point when Jesus, remember, remember when Mary tried to get Jesus uh, to turn water into wine? You guys remember that? Okay. What, what, remember, remember the one thing Jesus, you remember what he told his mother even though she ignored him? What's she telling? Anybody around? My time has not yet come. All right? <laughs> course she didn't listen to him she's like your time came now because i'm your mother and i told you to do something and jesus is a good son and so he was like okay you know you see in this situation here as jesus is sharing the parable here as he's sharing with those who are listening he understands that god the father has a plan for him there's there is a process you remember the death and the resurrection it has to take place And so as Jesus speaks in parables, he is not going to allow those who are in discord against him to interrupt the plans or to stop what God's plan is for his life. You see, the kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom of God is something to be done. There's action that has to take place. In this regard, I want want you to listen to what one commentary uh, writer wrote. He said this. In the authentic speaking and hearing of the parables, Jesus gives the kingdom itself as a mystery. The kingdom of God is at hand in the fruitful word of Jesus Christ. To hear the word of and about Jesus, to believe it and act on it on it this is the secret of the reign of a of or rule of god in individuals in in the church and in the world we must understand the secret of the kingdom of god to be jesus himself present among those whom he speaks You see, we don't understand the kingdom of God. We cannot live in the kingdom of God. We cannot be a part of the kingdom of God unless we understand and are obedient to the king. And the king is Jesus Christ. And as Jesus shares this parable, as he speaks into the mystery of this, he wants to make sure that those who are receiving it understand clearly what comes with it and that is full faith and obedience to jesus christ so we understand the kingdom we understand the mystery of the kingdom coming out in this parable let's talk about a couple other things here this morning that are important for you and i sitting here in bethalto illinois There are no little places when it comes to the kingdom of God. And there are no little people in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. There are no little places and there are no little people in the kingdom of God. You see, when we look at this passage of scripture today, when we look at this text here today, we find Jesus teaching in the parables and calling on his hearers to understand the mystery of the kingdom in terms of its smallness and its quietness. And what do I mean by that? You see, what Jesus does here in this second part is he compares the kingdom of God to sowing a seed And he says, The smallest of seeds growing to become the largest of plants and the growth of the kingdom seeds in the darkness. What does that tell us about the kingdom of God? Because he says here, he says what it tells us, he says the seed is planted by the sower... And then the sower leaves it and, and does not know what's happening, but the seed is growing. Anybody here ever watched, um, I, I'm gonna, this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a trick question. Any of you ever watched a seed grow? Anyone? The answer is no. You've seen the results of the seed, but nobody here, I, I, I mean, unless... I mean, I I could be mistaken. Has anyone here ever dug down into the dirt and laid down in underneath the dirt in the ground with the seed and watched it growing underneath the ground? No. But that seed is growing nonetheless, isn't it? We may not see it, But it is growing underneath there. It is growing in the darkness. What that tells us, what Jesus is trying to tell us through this parable here, is he's trying to tell us that the kingdom would not be the crushing and the outright victory of his Hebrew heroes as dreamed of, okay? Instead, the kingdom would come undercover. It would come silently. You would wake up one day, and there is the kingdom present, thriving, and growing. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't look for massive battles. Don't look for overthrowing enemies. Don't look for uh, miraculous, big, huge things. Realize that what is happening and what is working, you may not see its process right now, but it's going to be there. And when you least expect it, you see, said differently, Uh, You wake up one day and you find the kingdom present before you in the person of a young Jewish prophet who preached with authority, who had the Spirit's power present to heal and and to defeat the powers of darkness and who will willingly choose to go to a, a, a cross of Roman execution in order to set the kingdom in motion. Lifebrook Church, Lifebrook Family, what I'm saying here is so important for us. Because you see, the kingdom comes without fanfare, it comes without grandness. In fact, it, it becomes present without sometimes us even knowing it. It becomes present through the countless little quiet ways. God's kingdom people work in action being the the new humanity to follow the king every day. It takes shape and form when some teenage kids in our church decide that they're going to commit to put 30-some dollars every month toward a family somewhere that they've never met, that they've never had any contact with. And they sow that seed every month. And one day, the leader gets a card that says, that family, through the help of these teenagers who decided just to give a little bit of money, not much more than what it would cost for a trip to Starbucks, might be more expensive to go to Starbucks. And all of a sudden, here's a family in great need of great assistance who have been set free from the financial bondage. There was no major plan for that to happen it was not this massive, constructed strategy. It was a group of kids that just decided to take their spare change and be obedient to the Lord. You see, it's important for us to understand church family here in Bethalto, Illinois. Life, brook. we may not be a world-wrecking force. But in the kingdom of God, what we are doing is not small. It matters. That means there are no little people. There are no, new, no little places. There's no true kingdom acts that do not bear fruit of the kingdom by making the king present. In other words, when we do and speak in the name of Jesus, when we live and love like Jesus, we are making a kingdom impact. You see we don't have to worry about being small or weak in the eyes of the world and certainly do, and certainly do not compromise the kingdom message with the world uh, that proclaims Jesus as proclaims Jesus as king to draw attention to itself in other words what i'm saying is that it's not about we're not here to draw attention to ourselves we're here to draw attention to Jesus Christ in whatever way that we are capable of doing it. So if we are in one small place, with the power of Jesus, anything is possible. Amen? You see, the world's view says we can't make a difference. According to the world's view, we're just a little, you know what? According to the world's view, we're just a little small church in, 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 in nowhere southern Illinois. But that's not who we are in the name of Jesus Christ, are we? Because you see, we are operating, when we are operating in the name of Jesus Christ, we are operating in the kingdom of God. And so right here in Bethalto, Illinois, the kingdom of God is making a difference when his people proclaim his name. Amen? Amen. You see, it is our weakness in reality that allows the king to be strong enough through us, which leads to my final thought today, and and, and I'm going to wrap it up, and that is this. To build the kingdom of God means we must bring glory to the Father. You see, if we're not building on the kingdom of God, whose kingdom are we building on? Now this is the part of the message where, quite truthfully, I didn't want to preach this part. Because I didn't want to hear this part of the message. And I'm assuming that if I didn't want to hear this part of the message, you might not want to hear this part of the message. But let me just say this. It is in our smallness, it is in our weakness, that God shows his strength. But it is also through our smallness and weakness that the real credit for kingdom work goes to the, to the true King jesus christ and not to the kingdom people you see if we are weak and we know it then through our weakness in our kingdom efforts we suddenly see the kingdom of god sprouting all around us and automatically we know this is god's good work through us and not our own magnificence. But the moment any of us begin to think or believe that it's in our ability, that it's in our power, that it is through what we are doing, we have lost complete sight of the kingdom. The moment that I think or believe that anything that happens here at Lifebrook is because of me or because of my leaders or because of my staff or even because of any of you. And I love you all. We have lost sight. We are no longer operating in the kingdom, not the kingdom of God at least. We're operating in the kingdom of ourselves. We must continuously ask ourselves just whose kingdom are we building? Because if we are building any kingdom other than that of our Heavenly Father, we are building a false kingdom. And so this morning... As we stand here, as we sit here in this room, folks, as long as we are obedient to the Father, as long as we are trusting Him to guide us, as long as we are operating in His Word and in His instruction. As long as we are continuously asking questions like what is God's goodness look like in my life? What is God speaking to me? What am I doing with what he's saying? As long as we are asking questions like how am I doing loving the people that he has placed in my path? Then we are seeking his glory and not our own. As the band comes up and gets ready to play, the question for us today that we must continuously ask ourselves is what kingdom are we operating in? And it's a constant struggle. I don't know about you, but it's a constant struggle for me You see, the question is, will we be wise and powerful and important in the eyes of the world, or will we be faithful to the king? I grew up in the 80s. I was a huge Van Halen fan. Trying to figure out how to work a Van Halen illustration into this sermon was a tough one. But I figured it out. Because, you see, they had it all wrong. You can't have the best of both worlds. To have it both ways without compromising the kingdom message or practice is, I dare say, impossible. It is only the kingdom where Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That will bring eternal joy to our lives. Because you see, the kingdom that was inaugurated, that was established, that was ushered in by Jesus Christ, when he went to that cross and he died and walked victorious three days out of that grave, the the kingdom that was inaugurated, that began for our Lord and Savior, its fullness is going to come when someday he returns to call those who have been faithful and obedient home. This morning, this final question that I ask you goes back to what I've been talking about the whole time. And that is, what kingdom are you living in? Your own, or are you living in the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, this morning... I ask that you would speak to our hearts and minds right now. Lord, that as we understand that the kingdom is here, it is amongst us, and those who are obedient, we are experiencing and living in the fullness of that kingdom. And yes, someday when you return, Lord, we have a future kingdom that we get to look forward to also. But here and now, our living in this kingdom of yours requires obedience and action. We no longer get to proclaim you as Lord and Savior and not live according to that proclamation. You have told us in your word That we are responsible for what we know. We are responsible for what we hear. And Lord, your word proclaims that we are living in your kingdom when we are living in obedience to you. And Lord, I know today that we want to be in your kingdom. So challenge us today, Lord. If there are those here who are struggling right now with their walk, Lord, today is the day to just lay it at your feet and trust and surrender. Lord, if there are those here today who have not yet made a commitment to you, today there's that opportunity to receive you. Lord, today, if there are those in this room that you have been speaking to them. You have been challenging them. You have been calling them. And they have been holding back. They have been hesitating. They have been resistant. Lord, today is an opportunity for them to let go and surrender. And Lord, for those here today who are pushing and striving and living And struggling to live and do the best that they can. To be not only your disciple, but to be your disciple that makes disciples. Lord, I pray that you give them strength and power. And restore any frustrations that they are experiencing. Restore any struggles or hesitations that they have. With the strength and the power that can only come from you. Lord, I pray this in your most precious name, and we all say, amen. Let's all stand.